God bless you. Thank you for being here. It's a great crowd given the circumstances. We're thankful for you being here. This is May the 31st. In June, we will add our Sunday evening Bible study time to our on-campus activities. So we will be here, God willing, Sunday mornings like now in family groups, still no Sunday school yet or age-related activities. And we will be here on Sunday evening at six o'clock for, for our Bible study, our continuing study in the Revelation, and we will meet in here in family groups. And on Wednesday night for Bible study and prayer time, and we will meet in here in family groups. So that will be in the month of June. That'll begin next Sunday. So keep that in mind. And uh, we continue to be in prayer for our nation, especially now, not just because of there's a, there's a, the greatest virus of all is the virus of sin. And sin and violence have erupted. And it's, it's a precursor to the, <laughs> to the second seal of the scroll in the Revelation being broken where men are at war with men on a local and social level. And so we pray for our nation, first of all, because our nation, like every nation in the world, needs Christ. We need a return. We need a, we need a great awakening like we have seen in the past. Unless it pleases the Lord to bring us into the end of days, and He is about to catch His church away, for which I hope we are all prepared. So we, we pray for the purpose of God to be revealed in our lives and help us to understand the days in which we live. But above all, just like our forebears in the earliest of the Christian era, to honor the Lord of heaven before we bow to the God of government. I will say this just in, in leading up to the message, but I'm dismayed because the Supreme Court has ruled against the church uh, re with regard to uh, the state of California and the the executive orders issued by local officials uh, mandating certain rules to be applied to churches that are not applied to other groups or, or entities. That's greatly distressing uh, for me. And when we pray, we should remember all of our leaders, of course, including every judge and Supreme Court justice, because the hand of each of them is in the heart of each of them is in the hand of God. And as Christians, we understand that nothing happens apart from the purpose of God. So we pray that God would reveal his purpose 
in these last days and to give us endurance and patience and greater faith as we move along in what may become difficult days for believers. Now, with that said, would you open God's precious holy word to Galatians chapter 3, and we've come to verses 10 through 14, and from that passage, I want to bring you a message. The failure of works in salvation. Paul continues with the theme to stand against any sort of blasphemous teaching that adds the works or behaviors of man to the work of Christ on the cross. The one, and, and here in Galatians, the inspired apostle is defining the true gospel. There's only one gospel. There are not two gospels or three. There is only one gospel. That gospel is we are justified by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, plus nothing. We cannot add by any act of ours or any work, we cannot add to the finished work of Christ on the cross. The Galatians had, in the words of the Holy Spirit in the letter, had become bewitched because Judaizers had come in and had taught to the Galatian believers who were primarily Gentiles that they first had to submit to the rituals of the law of Moses, thus become proselyte Jews before they could become Christians. And their focus was mainly on uh, the right of circumcision as it was given in the law in the Old Testament. So the Apostle Paul is standing against that. The great message of the church, the gospel of Jesus Christ is that Christ is sufficient for your salvation. We'll see that perhaps more clearly as we work our way today through verses 10 through 14. I want to say three things in this passage. The first thing I want to tell you is, and let, let, me, let me insert something else. I'm not trying to be political. I, I think we should be practical in the world in which we live. There is a preacher whose name is Paul Washer. Perhaps you've seen some of the things. He's very uh, prolific in, in the things that he does on Facebook. And I, I checked this out, and it seems to be correct. He was, he was booted off of Facebook because it's just like we're on Facebook right now. And uh, that probably will put me in jail. I don't know. But from the Scriptures, like we're going to be today, see that word cursed? What we're going to read in just a second is according to the abominable infidels hate speech. His message included the truth 
that the whole human race is depraved, that everybody is a sinner. We have to preach wrath before people can understand grace. And the wrath of God is on everybody who lives. Now, he got booted off of Facebook. They took his message away, and he got booted off of Facebook for reading from the Scriptures and expounding on that passage regarding the depravity of man. This is where we are in our world. But those truths remain. You know, hey, the apostles, the early church, they didn't have Facebook or anything else, but look at what they did, what God did through them. First point, I just use a word that comes from the Scripture, and that word is cursed. Let's look at this. For as many are as under the works of the law. Now let me tell you what that means. That means that if you feel like you have to do good stuff according to your definition of goodness, and you have to keep doing good stuff according to your definition of goodness, then you're under the works of the law. If you think that is what establishes your relationship with God and gives you a ticket to heaven, those are the works of the law. So I have to behave, I have to do this, I have to do that, I have to follow these rules and all of this, I have to do everything and I have, I, have, I have stood away from grace. I'm standing away from grace and I'm traveling the path of works. For as many as un, are under the works of the law, now that would include anybody who believes that Jesus is not sufficient for your salvation. The atonement, the death of Christ on the cross, if you think that's insufficient and you have to do something before you can come to the cross and you have to keep doing something or you have to do something else after the cross, you're under the works of the law. For as many are as under the works as are under the works of the law are under a curse. For it has been written, and this comes from Deuteronomy, I think, chapter 27, cursed is everyone who does not continue all things having been written in the book of the law to do them. James in chapter 2 in the New Testament puts it this way. If you fail in the least of the aspects of the law, if you forget, or maybe you haven't learned it yet, there is no such thing as an excuse for ignorance. If you breached the least of the aspects or elements of the law, you are guilty of the condemnation of the law and you're under its curse, which is death. You only have to do it once. How many times do you have to sin to be a sinner? Once. We become sinners before we ever understand what the word means because of the depravity of man. This is what the Bible teaches us. Nobody does good. That's why God sent His Son to be our Savior. 
So then, cursed is everyone. Who? Everyone. Everybody. Nobody is exempt. Who curses? God curses. It's under the curse of God. Cursed is everyone who does not continue all things having been written in the book of the law to do them. Day in, day out, minute by minute, hour by hour, day after day, month after month, year after year for a lifetime. From the day you are born until the day you die, never miss a beat in continuing in the works of the law. Well, I suffered from COVID-19 one year and I couldn't make the appointed ceremony in Jerusalem. You're guilty. You're under God's damnation and under God's curse. Doesn't matter. There's no excuse. I did something and I've learned three years later that I wasn't supposed to do it. Or I didn't do something and I learned three years later that I was supposed to. It doesn't matter. You're under the curse of the law. This is from Almighty God. Regardless of how mild the world may think, your sin is. Doesn't matter. Sin is sin and brings the curse of God upon the sinner. And the curse of God brings death, separation from God. You'll never, ever go to heaven. You'll be in hell all of your life, all of your existence, all of your time and forever and ever, the Bible says. Cursed is everyone who does not continue all things having been written in the book of the law do them. Now this is Paul telling the, the Galatians who had for some reason been bewitched by the Judaizers. He's already talked about how Abraham was saved simply by faith. Abraham was saved before there was ever such a thing as circumcision according to the law of Moses. What, 400 years before the law, Abraham was living and walking on planet earth. There wasn't anything such that there wasn't, Moses wasn't even around. There was no law. But the Bible says in the book of Genesis that God credited him with righteousness because Abraham believed God. God made him a promise. God said, I'm God. And here's the deal. I'm going to save you. I'm going to make a great nation out of you. I'm going to bless all the families of the earth through you. Then later he said, I'm going to give you many descendants, as many as the sands of the sea or more even than the stars of heaven. Abraham believed that. There wasn't nothing, there was not a thing that he could do. He was a very old man. God promised him a child when both he and his wife were beyond the years and, and era of childbearing in their, in their lives, but he believed God. And God gave him heaven. God credited his life with righteousness. God in heaven declared that the former moon god worshiping Abram, who came out of paganism, 
God declared that man is declared righteous because of his faith. Now, he went on from that day and did other things that were not good. He was naughty. He did other things after that. But God had covered him with righteousness. God imputed righteousness to him. God declared Abraham, because he has believed me, is righteous. He is declared righteous by his faith. Now, moving forward, Paul makes this point again from the scriptures of those who were trying to Judaize the Galatians. It's written that if you don't keep doing everything, every little thing of the law, you can't forget, you can't claim ignorance, you're going to have to every minute of your life continually from the day you were born and who in the world can account for times he can't even remember when he was alive. When he was a little kid, you can't. James, as I said, put it this way. If you're guilty of one point, you're guilty of it all. Paul put it this way in Romans 3. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. You cannot behave or work your way into heaven. As Jesus said, you must be born again. You have to be regenerated. You have to be born again. So here is a curse. From who? From God. How long does it last? It doesn't quit. Upon whom is the curse? Everyone who does not continue as being under the works of the law, who does not continue in all of the things. So anyone who thinks, you know, I'm a good person. I'm a lot better than some of these so-called Christians I know. And I've, you know, oops, I did a thing a few, uh, well, there was another thing I thought about, but hey, today, just today, I did 16 good things against two bad things. So I'm ahead 14. You'd be surprised at how many people really account their lives like that. When it comes to receiving credit for, from God to be, to be qualified for heaven according to their definition. They've, they've, totally, they've totally left the Bible. The Bible doesn't teach anything like that. They're ignorant of the Word of God and they've created their own religion. Humanism. They worship themselves. They are their own God. That person who doesn't realize that he has set his course to travel under the works of the law, he doesn't know that it's called that, but that's what it's called. If he doesn't do everything and he doesn't know anything about the works of the law because he's never read it, but if he ever abrogate, if he ever does anything wrong that breaks the law, it doesn't matter how minor, he's a dead man. He's under the curse of God. God's curse is on him. So, the first point, 
is simply this, cursed. The next point, doubly cursed. Cursed and cursed again. Look at this. That now by the law, no one is justified before God is evident because, now he quotes Habakkuk, the Old Testament prophet. The righteous will live by faith, and the law is not faith. It's one or the other. The law is not faith. So Moses says in Deuteronomy, cursed is everyone who doesn't continue in the works of the law to do them. Habakkuk the prophet says, the only people who are going to live before God, the only ones who are righteous before God are the ones who live by faith. And the law is not faith. Rather, the one having done these things will live by them. So, you are not righteous according to your behavior or works. It is impossible. The only human being, the very God-man, who was perfect, was the virgin-born Christ of God, God in the flesh. God has no part with sin. The Christ of God has no part with sin. Everybody else, depraved, under the curse of God, all I have to do is do one bad thing. One thing, and I may not even realize it's bad. But I broke the law, and therefore I'm under the curse. Cursed is everyone, the Bible says. Everyone. Paul is saying to these Galatians, don't you realize that you are preaching a gospel that is a cursed gospel? It is not the gospel. The one having done these things will live by them. So that leads me to the third and final trilogy of a point. Redemption, atonement, justification. Atonement includes substitution, something in my place. The fancy theological seminary word for that is vicarious, a vicarious offering. Let the punishment of God be meted out on this thing and not on me. God allows for a substitute. I accept that. Here's the substitute. So then, here's the answer. Now, everyone is cursed. Everyone. 
The only way we can be righteous is through faith in what God has said, in what God has provided, faith. That's the only way. So then let's look at the rest of this passage. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. Having become a curse for us. For it has been written, cursed is everyone hanging on a tree. Now that's from Deuteronomy yeah, 21. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. We're lost. We're in need of being purchased, redeemed by our Creator. We can't pay for ourselves. My blood is sinful blood. My life is a sinful life. I can't offer myself for myself. I'm just as lost at the end of that as I was at the beginning of it. But Christ redeemed us having become a curse for us. For it has been written, cursed is everyone hanging on a tree. Now, here's what the law of Moses required. Someone in the camp of Israel was an abominable sinner, a blasphemer. Capital punishment was required. Death by stoning. So this blasphemous, abominable person was dragged outside the camp and stoned to death. And he was dead, but that wasn't good enough. There had to be a statement made. So they took him and hung him on a tree. They took his corpse and hung it on a tree. It was the sign before Israel that God had rejected this, the works of this person, that God had declared that thing hanging on that tree was a curse. And judgment was meted out. And it was a statement that was made. Christ is the Lamb of God slain from before the foundation of the world. A covenant between the Father and the Son. The Son would receive, the Father would give to Him His own. And the Son would stand good for them even to the requirement of redemption. To pay the ransom price. Okay? Christ became a curse for us. It started the night, deep into the night when he was arrested and he was praying. Father, if it could happen, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, your will be done. 
sweating great drops of blood, agony, stress, feeling something he had never sensed in all of his magnificent existence, in his eternal existence. He was sensing sin upon himself, not his sin, my sin. And the sins of all who believe in him, all of us. And he went through the most horrific night and early morning, culminating in the cruel crucifixion. According to Isaiah, this pleased God to offer him for my sin. Christ accepted that challenge. 2 Corinthians 5 puts it like this. He who knew no sin was made to be sin in my behalf that I might become the righteousness of God in him. So he became everything that's wrong with me and that's wrong with everybody who are his who believe on him. So that I might receive his righteousness to cover me. Christ became a curse for us. Why? Here it is. So that the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles in Jesus Christ, so that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. What is the blessing of Abraham? Here it is. It's very simple. Abraham believed God, and God reckoned righteousness to him, credited him. That's the blessing of Abraham. I believed God. Christ was given for me. And everything bad about me, it never stops. It doesn't stop. It won't. If God gives me tomorrow, it won't stop tomorrow because I'm still here before the time of glorification. But I've been born again, and I have a strength that I didn't have before. It's been given to me by God, a regenerate heart and life. And I have an inclination toward obedience that I couldn't have had before when I was dead in sin. What kind of an inclination can a dead person have? None at all. But I've been born again. I've been made alive spiritually. Life is different for me. My perspective is different. My goals, my aims, it's no longer me, but Christ in me, directing me. So then, I believe that Christ became a curse for me. I believe it. I believe in those three hours of darkness as he struggled and agonized with sin, he took my sin, all of it. And in all of that agony and cruel death, as God 
struck him with the fury of his wrath and would declare before the angels of heaven, that thing on that tree is sin. Until finally it died and the penalty was paid. Just before he died, the Son of God said, it is accomplished. I did it. He did it for me. So then, his lifeless, gruesome, torn body was placed in the tomb, offered as the payment. He was raised for our justification. The payment was accepted. And so what has happened to him will happen to me. I am a part of his resurrection. He took my sin and death and gave to me his righteousness and resurrection. And some wonderful day he will either call me out from among the living or catch me up from among the dead, one or the other. And I'll be with him forever in glorification. But he justified me. He made me righteous. The Holy Spirit has sanctified me. He has set me apart. And someday the power of God will glorify me in either rapture or resurrection. He became a curse. He redeemed us, became a curse for us so that the blessing of Abraham might come to me. And all through faith because of him will receive the promise of the Spirit. This is Paul's great message to the Galatians. This is how we live forever. We don't count on ourselves. I'm unreliable. I am unreliable. Christ never fails. I'm sure I will stumble again somewhere. But Christ will hold me up. I am not kept by my own power. I'm not saved by my own power. I'm saved and kept by the power of Christ. This is why... This is why it becomes such an abomination to those of us who preach the pure and simple gospel that anyone would dare try to add something to what my blessed Lord did for me on the cross. What in the world could I add to that? Nothing. I can't work my way to the cross and I can't work my way from the cross to heaven. I have collapsed into the presence of a sovereign God who gave His only begotten Son for me. And this is where I live, by faith in Christ. Justified by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone plus nothing 
Please bow your heads and close your eyes as we complete our service. The first great need for every person in here is to be saved. That is the first great need, and you cannot be saved unless God calls you to himself. If salvation is meaningless to you, all I can do is conclude that you're a reprobate. I don't know. God knows. But my appeal would be to those who are sensitive to the need for salvation. That sensitivity only comes from God. Your first great need is to be saved. Your second great need after salvation, in my opinion, is in an act of obedience to Christ, according to the Great Commission, is after you're saved, then be obedient to baptism. And according to the New Testament, the third great need that we have is to be an official active part, a member of a local Bible-believing church. If you have any one of those needs, or perhaps all three, as you exit today, there are two rooms that you'll have to pass just as you go out of the sanctuary. We have deacons and their wives waiting to speak with you about any of those needs. If you would come to Christ today, or if you have come to Christ already and you would be baptized, or if you've been baptized already, and you would come into the fellowship of the church here. We stand ready to pray with you about all of that as you exit. Father in heaven, we have so many needs, Lord, and you know what they are. First of all, our personal needs, our spiritual needs, our needs in the soul deep within. We have physical needs, Lord. There's a, they tell us there's a virus. And so we pray for your protection and for those who have it, we pray for your healing. Protect us from this and all sicknesses, Lord. Save us. Call us into your salvation if we might plead for it. Help us to be responsive and obedient, O oh Lord, in these last days. Lord, it seems to us that the fabric of our very nation is becoming unraveled with angry people destroying communities, destroying lives. Father, help us to understand that sin cannot undo previous sin. We pray for a revival, a great awakening in our nation, if it be your will. And we pray that in these dangerous days, which just might be the last days, that you would protect us and keep us from the evil elements that seek our destruction. 
And help us to stand strong and firm in Christ against the enemy as we move forward through life in the name of Christ. And help us to be strong in our faith and use us for your glory now and dismiss us in your love. In Jesus' name, amen.